If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where we are headed this morning as we continue our series called Learning to Listen. Learning to Listen. John chapter 10 is where we're headed. As you're turning there, one of my favorite stories about listening comes from an interview with Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, uh, the, the news anchor, Dan Rather, got to sit down with her and talk and ask some questions. And he, he asked her this question. He sat on her, what a wonderful question to ask Mother Teresa. He says, so what do you say to God when you pray? What do you say to God when you pray? I mean, don't you want to know what Mother Teresa said to that question? What do you say to God when you pray? She paused, thought about it for a moment, and responded, I don't talk. I simply listen. And so Dan rather thought about that for a moment, and all right. And then he followed up with another question. Okay, so... So, well then, what is it that God says to you when you pray? And she answered, he also doesn't talk. He also simply listens. And so he kind of sat there, astounded, not really sure what to make of it. And she went on to say, if you don't understand what I've said, I have no better way of describing it. I simply listen to God, and he simply listens to me. That's prayer. I love that story, right? Prayer is listening to God, listen to us. Prayer is listening to God, listen to us. There is a depth and an intimacy to that, right? Right? I mean, this story just reframes our whole spiritual life. It's not about saying things to God or getting things from God or learning things about God. But rather, spiritual life is about being with God. Being with God. This is the essence of listening. It's not just hearing sounds or, or gathering information. Listening is a way of being with God and with the world around you. And this is what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to be a listening people. So two weeks ago, we saw in what Jesus called the greatest command, that listening at its heart is an act of love. He begins that command to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself by saying, Hear, O Israel, listen, people of God. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Listening is an act of love. We cannot love if we have not listened. This is what we talked about two weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about how listening begins with silence, right? That one of the images we considered is that a, a silent spirit 
is the blank canvas on which we practice the art of listening. Being still and silent is the way that we begin to have the capacity to really listen to one another and really listen to God. We need to be free of the noise and the distraction of life in order to listen deeply. So this is where we've been the last couple of weeks. And today, with that foundation of love and that posture of silence, I want to reflect on the voice of God and becoming a people who listen for God's voice. And so let's read together John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for being our good shepherd and for calling to us. 
and letting us hear your voice. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture together today, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus uses the image of a shepherd and sheep to describe the relationship between him and his followers, right? I mean, just as we sang only a moment ago, I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd. This is what it is to follow Jesus. And as Jesus unfolds this image, one of the primary components of the shepherd-sheep relationship is listening. Listening is one of the primary pieces of this relationship. Verse 3, the sheep listen to his voice. Verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Again, down in verse 16, I have other sheep and they too will listen to my voice. Over and over again in this passage, Jesus emphasizes that to be his follower is to be a listener of his voice. Followers of Jesus are people who listen to his voice and who recognize his voice, right? The sheep listen and they know the voice of their shepherd. Now, right off the bat, Jesus' teaching on this shows us at least two fundamental things. First, God does speak. God does speak. And then second, we can hear. We can hear. God does speak, and we can hear. And these two things blow up. Just, just completely blow up a lot of modern assumptions about the world. Because on the one hand, there are many who don't believe that there's a God at all. So of course there's no God who is speaking, right? God doesn't speak. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, though, there are many who believe, well, yes, there is a God who spoke once upon a time, but we can't hear God anymore, right? Either there is no God to speak, or there is a God, but we can't hear him because he's far off, away, somewhere else, not remotely involved in our lives. But Jesus' teaching here just completely blows up both of, of those things. His image of shepherd and sheep just assumes he is speaking, and we are listening. The shepherd speaks. And the sheep hear and listen and know his voice. Followers of Jesus are people who listen to his voice and recognize his voice. But there's even more going on in this image, right? Notice how not only do the sheep listen to the shepherd, but also Jesus emphasizes that the shepherd knows the sheep. Right? The end of verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name. And again, down in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know 
me. You see, the only thing that is perhaps more incredible than the fact that God speaks is the fact that God listens. God listens to us. There's one author who observed that though the Bible opens with God speaking, creation into existence, right? In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Bible opens with God speaking. But this author says, it would be a really short book if God were not also a listener. Right? God speaks at the very beginning of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. But when you turn over to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, we find God's people suffering in slavery in Egypt. And at the end of chapter 2, it says, God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. And it is God's listening to his people calling out, in slavery that begins all the epic events that unfold for the rest of the book of Exodus, the calling of Moses, the burning bush, the, the great signs in Egypt, delivering the people out of slavery, crossing the Red Sea, going to Mount Sinai, on and on and on. All of that begins because God listens to his people. If God only spoke and did not listen, we would have the book of Genesis and maybe the first chapter of Exodus, and that would be the Bible. But because God is a God who listens, the story goes on. God is a God who listens to his people. God is a God who knows his people. Jesus is a shepherd who knows his sheep. And his sheep listen to his voice. You see, this listening is mutual between God and God's people. It's why I love that story of Mother Teresa. She listens to God, and God listens to her. Right? This listening goes both ways. This is the relationship of God and his people. And so it says the sheep listen to his voice and know his voice. So just like any other person's voice, God's voice is knowable. God's, ver God's voice has a particular sound and tone and quality to it. God's voice can be recognized. It, it was about three years ago that my mother passed away. And, and I, I was still new here at this church, and, and you were all so gracious to just say, hey, go, be with her, right? And so I was able to be with her for that last week or so of her life as we wrestled with all kinds of things in the hospital. And from all of that season, something that I still grieve very deeply to this day is that I never got to hear her voice in all of that time. When I flew down there uh, three years ago, I got off the plane, uh, someone picked me up, went straight to the hospital and went to her room in ICU. When I arrived, she was hooked up to a breathing machine. 
with a tube down her throat. And it was that way until the very end. So throughout the week that we were there with her, I'm so grateful there were at least a couple of days where she was awake and alert and able to interact and, you know, her facial expressions and her motions and, and, and all of that. I mean, that was a gift to be able to have those moments of interaction. I treasure those days. But even though she could interact, she couldn't speak. And so I never got to hear my mom's voice again. I still grieve that. And after she passed away that following week, one of the things that I did and sometimes still do is pull up an old voicemail and listen to her voice. Just to hear it. That voice that I knew and that I loved, that voice that I knew loved me. That voice of my mom, right? Everyone has a particular voice. You can think of people in your life whose voice you would recognize in a moment. Hear them speak one word and you know who it is. Every person's voice has a particular sound, a particular tone, features that make it recognizable. And the very same thing is true for the voice of God. God's voice has a particular tone, a particular quality about it. Jesus says that his sheep listen to his voice and know his voice. They know his voice. His voice is knowable. It's recognizable. So what does God's voice sound like? What does God's voice sound like? There's at least a few things that we can see in this passage where we can begin to see and hear some of the tenor and tone of his voice. I just want to point out a few of them. One, God's voice leads us. It does not push us around. God's voice is a voice that leads. It is not a voice that pushes. In verse 4, it says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. You see, God desires to lead us somewhere. He does want us to move from where we are to someplace better and greater. God wants us to grow. He doesn't want us to sit still, but God moves us by leading us. He moves us by leading the way, not by pushing us and shoving us around. God does not taunt his people. He doesn't push his people around. Instead, he invites. He draws us out. He leads us. Which is to say, God never calls us to a place where he does not also go with us. 
God never brings us to an edge to push us off. If we do need to jump off of an edge, he jumps first and says, come on, it's okay. That pushy, taunting voice is the voice of the enemy, not the voice of God. Remember whenever Satan spoke to Jesus in the wilderness? He began with those taunting words, well, if you are the Son of God, right? Just taunting Jesus. And then at one point, he did bring Jesus up to an edge and said, all right, go ahead and jump off. That's not how God speaks. That's not what God sounds like. Instead, verse 4 again, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. Right? God doesn't say, hey, if you are my beloved children, then prove it. Rather, he says, you are my beloved children. Now come with me. Come with me. God's voice leads us. He says, come and follow me. And he is the first one to pick up his cross. He never brings us somewhere where he does not also go. The voice of God does not bark orders at people or push people around. Instead, his voice is leading and drawing and inviting. This is what God's voice sounds like. Something else that we see in this passage, God's voice is a voice that leads to life. God's voice leads to life. In verses 7 through 10, Jesus begins expanding this image of shepherd and sheep by describing thieves and robbers that come to do harm to the sheep. And then in verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's ultimate desire for us is life. God desires life for his people, so that is where his voice leads. I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, imagine, for just a moment, the sound of God's voice in your head. So we've been talking about it. Just imagine, what, what does God's voice sound like? What tone of voice does God speak with? Does it sound stern? Does it sound angry? As God speaks to you and you imagine that, does it sound frustrated or impatient? Or does the voice that you imagine sound warm? inviting, joyful. The kind of voice that's spoken through a smile. Which leads to another similar question. Imagine God's face. What expression does God have as he looks at you? 
Is there a furrowed brow? Does this, do his eyes look away from you? Or is there that warm smile looking straight into your eyes? What does God sound like as you imagine him? What does God look like as you think of him? You see, if, if our image of God is angry, frustrated, and condescending, then we have a false God. That's not who God is. That's not what God sounds like. That's not what God looks like. The thief is the one that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. God comes to give life, full life. God's voice is a voice that leads to life, which means God's voice is a voice that we can trust. We can trust him. Whenever God does have a hard word for us, which he does from time to time, we can trust that it is for our good and that ultimately he is leading us to life, life to the full. This is another way of identifying God's voice. One other thing we see in this passage, God's voice does not abandon us. Rather, God, God's voice saves us. In the next section, verses 11 to 18, Jesus expands this image even more by talking about the differences between the hired hands and the shepherd. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. But then in verse 15, Jesus says, but, but I lay down my life for the sheep. Down in verse 18, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. God's voice is not fickle. God doesn't go back and forth. He's, he's not squirmy and uncertain. God does not abandon his children. The shepherd does not abandon his sheep. When trial comes, there, there are hired hands who only want to save their own lives, right? and they hightail it out of there. But Jesus does not run away. Jesus lays down his own life to save the sheep. And so when, when you hear voices that threaten to abandon you, that, that threaten to, to go away if you do this or that, that is not the voice of God. When trial comes, God draws near. His voice encourages, assures. God gives himself to save us. He does not run away. 
And so God's voice has a particular sound, a particular tone to it. It leads and doesn't push around. It's life-giving, not destructive. It is with us and does not abandon us. This is what God's voice sounds like. To put it all in one word, God's voice is good. He is the good shepherd. God's voice is good. This is what his voice sounds like. Jesus' call is to give up all of our false images of God, all of the noise of other gods that we've heard or been told about, and instead to learn the sound of our good shepherd. The sheep listen to his voice and know his voice, this voice that does not abandon and that leads us into life. That's the sound of God's voice. So how do we hear that voice? Right? This is what it's like. This is, this is what it sounds like, but how do we hear it? I mean, all of this is good and well, but where do we actually listen for this voice that speaks? I mean, if God does speak and we can hear, then how do we listen? Where, where do we hear this voice? Well, answers to this question are all throughout this, this book, all throughout Scripture from beginning to end. I mean, we could sit here for hours reflecting on this. Um, we don't have time for that. So for the sake of time, let's just stay in the Gospel of John and look at a few other places in the Gospel of John that, that shows us some of the places and some of the ways that God speaks, that God speaks. So flip back just a few pages to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. We're going to read starting in verse 37. John 5 verse 37. Jesus is talking with some of the Jewish leaders and he says to them, the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. The Father has spoken about me. But he says to them, You have never heard his voice or seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet these are the very scriptures that testify about me. But you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, scripture is not a book of religious rules, spiritual advice. It's not a guidebook or a map for living. Scripture is a testimony right? Scriptures testify about me. This is one of the ways that God speaks through Scripture. 
Scripture is a testimony, and it's a testimony that leads to a person, to Jesus. See, we often talk about people having a testimony, right? Having a story to tell. And when we listen to someone's story, we don't honor it by converting it into some kind of factoid or proverb, right? You know, sit down with someone and, and, and then you walk away. It's like, oh, great. Here's my little bullet point checklist of, of that person's story, right? We don't convert people into facts and proverbs. We respond to someone's story by joining them in the joy of what they've shared or in the grief of their pain. We respond to someone's story by drawing near to that person. That's what it is to listen to someone's story, to listen to someone's testimony. And Scripture is the testimony of God. It's the story of God. It's not meant to just be turned into information, rules, little wisdom, pithy proverbs here and there. Rather, Scripture is meant to draw us closer to God himself. You study the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but they testify about me. So come to me, Jesus says. Scripture is one of the ways that God speaks. But we listen to Scripture. We hear God's voice in Scripture, not just by seeing the words, but by drawing near to God's heart. By rejoicing in the things that God rejoices in and by grieving the things that God grieves. And yet there are so many ways to read the Bible without listening. One of the books I've been reading is called A Spirituality of Listening. It was actually written by a former president of the school where Caitlin and I went to grad school, where we met. Um, and he has a list in, in this book of ways that we read the Bible in order to avoid listening to God. Here's some of the things that he's, he shares. He says, we read cognitively with the mind alone, but not to listen. We read ideologically to confirm what we believe, but not to listen. We read informationally for abstract knowledge, but not for formation. We read critically to seek proof, but not to listen. We read apologetically in order to argue, but not to listen. We read it quickly to get impressions, but not to listen. We read it devotionally for little bursts of religious feeling, but not for encounter. We read academically for information, but not to listen. We read individually for personal gain, but not to listen. We read literally to get answers, but not to listen. We read objectively, distant from our lives, not to engage one another. We read conceptually to form worldviews, but not 
to form relationships. Right? We could list all kinds of other ways that we read the words of the Bible but fail to listen to the voice of God to which the Bible testifies. Scripture is not just rules, regulations. It's not just wisdom. It's not some kind of guide for how we should live. It is the testimony of God to draw us into God's very heart. And so when we read Scripture, we can hear the voice of God. If only we let it draw us near to Jesus and who he is. It's one of the places that God speaks. But there's more. God doesn't only speak through Scripture, although there are many who have said that God only speaks through Scripture. The problem with that is Scripture, right? The Bible tells us other ways that God speaks. And so staying with the Gospel of John, flip back a few more pages to John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. And without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. You see, God also speaks through creation. God speaks to us through this world that he has made. Through him, all things were made. You see, in the very beginning, we talked about this just a little bit earlier. In the very beginning, God spoke and creation burst forth. Light and dark, up and down, seas and land, on and on it goes, plants and animals, right? God spoke and creation burst forth. Everything around us is a result of a God who speaks. This whole world is the voice of God still resounding. Our very lives is the voice of God still reverberating through the cosmos. Everything around us in creation is because God has spoken. And God continues to speak through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist sings. Earlier this week, I was talking with Peter, and we were talking about bees, right? And how bees are just amazing. They're, they're just intricate details of their wings and how they live and what they do. We were talking about eyes, right? The eye is such a complex organ, how it works, and we can take in and see all of these things, right? All of this stuff is just stuff to marvel at. Wow, creation is amazing. Jesus himself, when he taught, he said things like, consider the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field, right? Creation is preaching. If only we listen to it. 
On and on it goes. One of the books I was reading this week as I prepared talked about the spiritual discipline of a long walk. The spiritual discipline of going on a long walk. He said, long because it takes some time for all of the noise in our life to finally settle down. And a walk because going any faster makes the world blurry. There's a spiritual discipline about going on a long walk that allows us to slow down just enough to see the world around us and hear God's voice within it. I got to do this a few weeks ago. Um, I was over at my parents' place, uh, which is near Roslyn, Washington, if you know where that is, and um, was, was staying there for a few days. And so I, I would get up and, and go for walks around. Um, they kind of live in a little forested area, and it was so beautiful. It was wonderful. And there was one morning whenever I was walking, and I kind of had this trail I was going on, and there was this point that I wanted to get to uh, with the great overlook where you can look down and see the river going through this valley. And it, it's beautiful and amazing. But along the way, I stopped because I heard and saw a woodpecker up in a tree. And I just, I don't know, I just felt like I'm going to stop and watch this guy for a while. I don't know how long I stood there. It was way longer than probably would be appropriate. Um, but I just stood there watching this woodpecker and, and just watching it slam its head into this tree over and over again at lightning speed and just marveling at it. And I was thinking to myself, man, there's a sermon here. Like, this, this woodpecker is preaching. I mean, how many of us feel like life is, is just slamming our head against something and hoping that something fruitful comes out of it, right? I mean, that, that's so much of life. There's this, but then I started thinking more. I was sitting there, and I kept watching, and I thought, I wonder, what if I'm the tree? And the Holy Spirit is the one slamming his head against me. God's, hey, you know, I'm pecking this stuff away from you, you know, on and on, right? I just sat there for so long, and... And this woodpecker is preaching, right? It's, it's calling me to live more deeply. It's teaching me more about who God is as he is pulling away the hard edges of my own exterior, just like that woodpecker did to that tree. Things like this are, are the fruit of the spiritual discipline of a long walk. Slowing down enough to watch and to see. And, and you see, whenever we hear God speak in creation, it's not just about learning lessons. It's not just about, oh, you know, like, this is a great metaphor for this thing, and I, I walked away with the lesson. Uh, sometimes encountering God in creation is just about experiencing love and awe. To look up at the sky and just go, wow. There's no lesson in that. There's just worship. And that, in and of itself, is hearing God's voice through creation. Sometimes we also hear creation speak of God, not just through its beauty and wonder, but also through its groaning. Romans 8, Paul says, all creation groans for the day of redemption. Whenever we see pain and witness things that are wrong, tragedies in creation. That too draws us to know and dream of a day when all things will be restored. If we can just slow down enough to watch, 
Creation is speaking. God's voice can be heard. And so he speaks through scripture. He speaks through creation. There's one more way that I want to reflect on. And so sticking with John, let's flip later on in the book to John 16. John 16. We're going to read John 16, starting in verse 13. Jesus says to his followers, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. You see, Jesus tells his followers, I am sending my spirit. And that spirit will lead you and guide you into truth. The spirit of God will continue to speak. You see, when we hear, when we listen to God, it is not only outside of us that we listen in scripture and in creation, but it is also listening within us to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks from within. And this is another way that God speaks to his people. There's one of the things I was reading earlier this week, you know, we were talking about how God speaks in the very beginning in creation. But just backing up a little bit further, imagining all of eternity, you have the Father and the Son and the Spirit engaged in this eternal conversation where they are each listening and speaking to one another, Father, Son, and Spirit, and all of eternity. That conversation, that eternal conversation continues now. And I love moments in scripture where we actually witness it. Like when Jesus comes up from the waters of baptism, the spirit descends upon him and the father speaks, this is my beloved son, right? You've got this conversation between father, son, and spirit all taking place right there. I love those moments. There's another moment later on in the Gospels where the disciples had been sent out on mission and they come back and they tell Jesus what all had happened. And it says Jesus rejoices in the Spirit and says, Thank you, Father, for what you have done. Right? These moments when, when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all engaged in this conversation with one another. I love moments like this, but, but one author Reflecting on this said, a dialogue is not only happening between God and us, but the very conversation of God, the Trinitarian trialogue instead of dialogue, is carrying on inside of us. A conversation between the persons of the Trinity is now passing through us by the Holy Spirit, that, that we are caught up in this divine conversation. 
The Spirit is speaking in and through us. We get to join in on this Trinitarian conversation, listening to the Holy Spirit. What does this look like, right? What, what is this like? Well, often listening to the Holy Spirit will involve an internal sense. I've heard some people refer to it as a nudge. Well, it will involve an internal sense along with some kind of external conversation, uh, confirmation, sorry. Um, an internal sense along with an external confirmation. Right? That's how this conversation, this, this Trinitarian conversation happens. This is, in fact, how we came to this sermon series, how I came into this. It, it, it's originally, as I was thinking about this season of Lent, I actually had a whole different plan for what we were doing where we were going. I, I had, okay, Lent lasts for six weeks. I had kind of six things that I thought would be really interesting to talk about and explore together. But then I got this sense. Maybe there's something else that we need to lean into, that we need to learn. And I started thinking about this call to be a listening people, and I couldn't shake it. I was like, all right, let me pay attention to that. Um, and it was actually while I was over at my parents' place, um, when I went on that walk and saw the woodpecker, that one evening I tuned into this kind of online conversation uh, that was about spiritual formation in the church. I'm like, okay, that seems beneficial. Let me, let me tune in and see what they're saying. And much of that conversation was about God's people listening to God. And it was just this moment where like a bell went off. I was like, hey, this was already starting to stir within me. And here's this external thing that's, there's resonance. Maybe this is the direction for us for this next season. And so another morning, uh, not the woodpecker walk, but another morning I was going on a walk. And just during that walk, the, the different themes of the, the love that he calls us to and the great command, the silence, Right? The way that God speaks to us, those things began to fall into place in a way that I can't fully describe. But it just, it was the sense of this is where we're supposed to go. And, and that's how we're here, right? This listening to the Holy Spirit, it can, it can start with an internal sensation, but there's often also an external confirmation. And this is what it is to listen to the Spirit, to listen to God. You see, as weird and crazy as it may seem to, to go around saying things like, God told me, or God said this, in the world of Scripture, it's actually weirder and crazier to not say, God told me. God said this. Jesus said that his sheep listen to his voice. He promised that the Holy Spirit would continue speaking to his people and guiding us into truth. And so as we seek to hear God, whether it's from Scripture, from creation, or from the Holy Spirit within us, I want to just share a few things really briefly. Humility, community, and remembering the sound of God's voice 
that we talked about. As we listen to God, as we get maybe nudges or inclinations, as we pay attention to what God might be saying, we must keep a posture of humility. We can never say, thus saith the Lord, objectively. We must carry it humbly and submit it to community, which is the second thing. Right in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about people getting up to prophesy one thing and another, but he says, when the prophet speaks, let two or three weigh what is said. As we seek to listen to God, we must always do it together in community, humbly submitting these things to one another, sharing those internal sensations, but waiting for those external confirmations. And as we listen to all of it, we have to remember what we talked about earlier. What does his voice sound like? It's good. And so what we hear will always be leading us into life, into wholeness, into the goodness of God. And this is how we hear and listen to the voice of God. As I close, I just want to read you a poem, and then we'll, we'll finish here. It's a poem that I read earlier this week throughout the season of Lent. I've been reading a, a poem every day uh, from this little collection that is fantastic. And this poem is, is called How I Talk to God, and it's a series of haikus. Uh, but just listen to the simplicity of this description of talking to and listening to God. How I talk to God. Coffee in one hand, leaning in to share, listen. How I talk to God. Mama, you're special. Three-year-old touches my cheek. How God talks to me. While driving, I make lists, done, do, hope, love, hate, try how I talk to God. Above the highway, hawk, high, alone, free, focused, how God talks to me. Rash, impetuous, chatter, followed by silence, how I talk to God. First, second, third, fourth chance to hear, then another how God talks to me. Fetal position, under flannel sheets, weeping, how I talk to God. Moonlight on pillow, tending to my open wounds, how God talks to me. Pulling from my heap of words, the ones that mean yes how I talk to God. Infinite connects with finite, without words, how God talks to me. May we be a people who talk to God, who listen to him, who hear his voice. Amen.